Good morning. Praise God. Before I uh, enter the word this morning, just to I want to share something with you. Um, we've had uh, some news this morning, some sad news, and um, Lee's ex-partner, Lee and Joe, Lee's ex-partner, sadly passed away. Was it last night? Yesterday morning. And so, some of you remember Jordan, his son, was at the, the, the wedding. So, Lee's with Jordan right now. And um, it was obviously his, his mom. So, he's just asked if we could pray. So, let's just pray for the family before we do anything else. So, Heavenly Father, we do just, we've heard this morning that we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that in Jesus we do have hope. And Lord, we do pray for this family right now. We bring this family before you, Father, that are grieving. And Lord, just uh, having to process, Lord, the, the, the sadness and the shock and of loss. And, and just pray that you will console and you will comfort this family, Father, with imagine joy, especially, Lord, and Lee. And just, Lord, just, just hold them to it, Father. Let them know your consolation and your comfort, we pray. And we just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Okay, so is everybody warm enough in here? Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Is it hot? It's hot, isn't it? Why not talk about the windows, guys? Because it is uh, it's a warm side. Um, so, you know when you get, sometimes you turn on your television and the person says, uh, there's now been a change to our program. <laughs> So basically that's what's going to happen today, alright, as we uh, uh, plan to bring something to you this morning, most of you know what that is, I'll speak about that on another occasion, but today I'm going to go with what I've been told to do, what I believe I've been told to do, and uh, let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15. Coming home. Coming home. We're going to read a very well-known parable that Jesus taught from Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through to the end of the chapter. If you don't have a Bible, not to worry, just listen in and I'll read the story to you, the parable to you. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through to the end of the chapter. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me for my inheritance. So he divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the white swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise. And go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. 
and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he, when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf, have here and kill it. And, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his oldest son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fat and calf for him. And he said to his son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Father, we just want to say thank you for your word this morning. Jesus, help us to, to hear those words afresh. Breathe into our hearts, Lord. Open the eyes of our understanding. Open our minds to comprehend what you're saying. Those words were spoken 2,000 years ago, but they speak to us today, Lord. Help us to understand. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So... As I said this morning, I'm going to speak to you about coming home, and hopefully that makes a little bit more sense right now. And uh, as we read this parable, we can see that Jesus is speaking about a crisis that was going on in a family within this parable. And it was quite shocking. If you had been a first century Jew listening to these words, you would have been shocked with this story. You would have been shocked with the way that the son treated the father, but also the way that the father treated the son later. It would have totally revolutionized your understanding of the way things work. See, in the first century in Israel, it was very much an honor culture. Honor was very, very important, something that maybe we need to rediscover today. What it is to honor. Remember, the scriptures teach us that the word of God, the Ten Commandments, teaches us that we are to honor our father and our mother, that it might work, go well with us. Amen? But as we get into this scripture this, this morning, I just want us to, to, to listen into what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. The first thing that we see is that sin will always deceive our hearts into thinking that we're missing something. Let's just have a look at the situation again. He said, a certain man had two sons, the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Give me my inheritance. I want my inheritance. So he divided to them his livelihood. Uh, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And you need to think about this, guys. 
You know, people don't just, just magic these things up in a, a, a thin air. You know, it takes time to build up an inheritance. It could have taken generations to build up an inheritance, especially in those times. And suddenly, you know, this son, he has so much, the good things that the father has given to him, he has such an inheritance to look forward to. But we can see that the son was so desperate to have that inheritance because he wanted to find a way to live his own way, to live his own life, to leave the father behind. Although he had everything that he needed, although he had a bright future with the father, he was willing and he wanted to leave these things behind because the grass is always greener on the other side, isn't it? The grass is always greener on the other side and sin is like that. Sin deceives us into thinking that we're missing Something. The Bible says in Proverbs 14 verse 12, there's a way that appears right to be right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. It seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. But, but you know something, I honestly believe that in this story, it's not that the son suddenly one day woke up and just decided, you know, I want my inheritance, so I'm going to go off and live my life. There was a process going on. There was a, a process of thinking, of, of maybe hearing about how the way that other people live. You don't need to, to, to be doing this, on, you know, living in this way under your father's rule. You can go off and do your own thing. Live your own life. Be independent. Go with the flow. Just go with what your heart says. That's what sin does, folks. That's what sin leads, how it deceives and leads us into destruction. And so, as we go and we entertain these thoughts, and we entertain these temptations, and you know that thinking and those desires, suddenly they take a hold of us, and they will lead us down a path of destruction, totally deceived. I want you to think of these, these first century Jews listening to this and thinking about, about the way that this guy was dishonouring his father. His father had prepared everything for him. His father was ready to give him his inheritance. This is what blows my mind as well. Is that the father doesn't try to intervene. The father gives him his inheritance. He allows him to go on and get on with it. You know that by Jewish law, he could have contested at any moment because the Bible says that he gathered his goods, he gathered his inheritance, and he went and wasted. He must have sold his property or whatever it was, took the money and wasted his life Wasted that inheritance on prodigal living. In other words, on sin. He wasted his life. He wasted that inheritance upon sin. Think about the effect that had upon his father. Because in essence, what he was saying, he was saying, Father, you to me are as dead. You don't usually receive an inheritance until somebody's dying, right? And this guy was asking for his inheritance before his father was dead. And that's what he was saying in essence, I want nothing to do with you anymore. I want to live my own life. Give me what is mine. I'm going to go away and I'm going to do my thing. And I'm going to go and enjoy my years. Like everybody else seems to be enjoying their, their years and enjoying their life. Sin is deceitful. What a horrible thing to say. Sin distorts our vision and it dulls our senses. He saw his father as no more than the one who could supply his needs to fulfill his selfish desires. It's horrible, isn't it? How horrible! How could he be arrived at such a horrible place? Again, Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says this, 
The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The heart is deceitful. You see, we live in a society where you've been told, oh, just listen to your heart. The trouble is that your heart can so often deceive you into doing the wrong things and take you down that path of pain and suffering. It's not just listening to your heart, folks. First and foremost, we need to know our God. We need to know God's will. The listeners were, they were surely shocked and they despised the ingratitude and disrespect uh, shown towards the Father. But the truth is that all of us are capable of such wickedness. All of us have a fallen nature. The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. If we're honest with ourselves, hands on heart, We've only got to read just the Ten Commandments and ask ourselves truly, you know, have I broken one of those commandments? All of us, every single one of us, all of us depend upon the mercy of God we sung about it this morning. We need the mercy of God to be right with Him. The way that we, we live our lives reveals our attitude towards our Heavenly Father. You know, I put my hands up first and foremost, guys. I lived for many years. As an enemy of God. He said, enemy of God? Yes, by the way that I was living. Because I was at this, if I was saying to my Heavenly Father, I know you're holy, I don't know what you, you want from my life and so on, but you know I don't want anything to do with you. I'm going to go off and live my own life because everybody else is doing it. I'm just going to go with the flow. I know that it's wrong. I know I'm doing it wrong, but you know, everybody does it. So I'm just going to crack on. I'm just going to enjoy myself. I remember coming back, folks, from nightclubs. Some of you knew me at the time. You know, coming back drunk and sitting on the end of my bed and just feeling empty. Totally empty. But everybody does it. And that's what I thought life was all about. This boy's contempt for his father reflected in the selfish way that he lived. No consideration for how his father felt. He completely wasted his inheritance that his father obviously worked a long time to secure for him. The son detached himself completely to live free. Let's just look at verse 13. What does it say? Not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal Living. He wasted his possessions with prodigal living. In other words, the way I was living my life. Drinking, getting drunk, sleeping around, doing all the things that we know are not right and do just bring destruction into our lives and bring hurt. But we're doing it because that's what we do. But look, what's, look what happens as we keep reading. It says, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. What a situation to be in. You see, that's what sin does. It looks good, but it brings you to a place where you feel empty, where there's no, nowhere else to run. There's no more fun, so to speak. 
And it's what we do at that point that determines our future. How does God see all of this? Let's think about his situation. This guy, he goes away to his faraway land. He spends all, all his, his inheritance. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. See, that doesn't mean much to us. But if you were a Jew, and hearing about another Jew who had abandoned his family, gone off into a faraway country, a non-Jewish country, and now are in a situation where you were feeding swine, you see, pigs are unclean animals for Jews. And he's basically saying, look, this is, this is the pit that he got himself into. This is the, the, the fall that he'd taken. He reached those, those depths of despair and destruction. He'd fallen from being the privileged son of a landowner to being a feeder of pigs. What a situation. But like I said, sin is deceitful, isn't it? Wow. No one, the Bible says there in verse 16, no one gave him anything. He was desperate. But praise God for verse 17. Verse 17 to 19. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Well, the second lesson that we learned this morning is that our repentance moves God to compassion. Our repentance moves God to compassion. It's such a shame that this person had to arrive at that particular point of desperation, you know, and hurt and shame and despair to wake up and to realize what had happened. But then he took the right decision. I will go home. I'll return to my father. I'll go back to my father. He remembered, you know, even the father's hired servants had bread to eat and look at me in this situation. Nowhere to turn. The Bible says when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And that's what needs to happen. We need to come to ourselves. It's all, like I said, it's like a delusion. I remember being out in this world and just being, being just, just deluded by it. It's an illusion. But suddenly you realise you realise how devastating and how destructive sin is and you realise, I've got to go back, I need to reconcile with my father, I need to repent. Praise God that in his mercy he sent somebody to share the gospel with me, to share the, 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 the message that Jesus Christ had died for me on that cross at Calvary yeah. and that he raised to life. Praise God that he sent somebody who said, you know there's a way forward, you're in a mess, you've got nowhere to turn but there's hope for you. Praise God he said that to, he sent somebody to say that to me and they were faithful in delivering that message. Praise God. You see the son comes to his senses suddenly and he returns, I'll arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father I've sinned against heaven and before you absolutely. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He was ready to return, he was broken hearted, he was repentant, he realised all the shame that he brought upon his father. And he's ready to come back and say, look, I'm not even worthy to be called his son. 
How can I say that? Let's keep reading in the scriptures. So what happened? Verse 20, Jesus says, And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and a sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. This would have been shocking also for those first century Jews listening to this parable. But it tells us something. Our restoration is accomplished by His grace. Our restoration is accomplished by His grace. You see, you would be expecting the Father to see Him, wouldn't you? And really, oh, He's back. After all He's done. You know, He's got the brass neck to turn up here. After all, there's this shame and dishonoured me. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that as he was coming back, he was broken hearted, he was humbled, he was repentant, he was coming back, ready to humble himself to become even like a hired servant in his father's house. The Bible says that his father, while he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him. And I want you to see this folks, we've got to see why Jesus is teaching this. Jesus is teaching this to reveal the father's heart. He wants to reveal the Father's heart. And I wonder in the parable, you know, we see this. And I wonder how many times was the Father looking for his son, waiting for this lost son to return. Just cut out of compassion, out of genuine concern and love for him. How many times did he look into the distance and never saw him? And his heart sunk. But suddenly his son is returning. His father, all his father can think about is the fact that his son's coming home. His son that was lost. That was desperate, that was, that was broken, and all the things that everything faded into insignificance, all the wrong that he had done faded into insignificance, next to the compassion and the, and the joy of receiving his son back home. Hallelujah. You see, when Jesus is teaching this, he's teaching us about how our Heavenly Father responds to us as we return to him. The father ran to meet him on the road before he arrived at the village where he would face the shame from the villagers. Everybody else knew what had happened. No, no doubt others would come and go, oh, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. How can you show yourself here again after all that you've done? But the father doesn't even give him a chance to get to the village. He runs out to meet him and he embraces him, falls on his neck and kisses him. Oh, hallelujah. You see, this is the grace and the mercy of our heavenly father. This is the Father we serve. This is the God that we serve. But your enemy will have you think, oh no, you're too unholy. You're too sinful. You're too shameful. Look at you. How can you even return to your Father? He's holy. He's God. What would he want to have to do with you? Listen to the voice of the Spirit of God, folks. Hallelujah. In Luke 15, in fact, this is part of the other parables, three parables where Jesus is teaching about the lost. He's teaching about people who were lost and then found. Praise God. And this is what he says in Luke 15, 
verse 10, in the previous parable, he said, I'll tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. There'll be more rejoicing in heaven over somebody that wakes up, somebody who gets to that point and says, I can't cope anymore with this life. I can't cope with the way I'm living. I want to return to my heavenly Father. There'll be more rejoicing over that than 99 righteous people. Hear the voice of God. Hear the voice of the Spirit. Hallelujah. You see, the Bible tells us and makes it very clear that the Father is merciful. Merciful. What do we mean by mercy? Mercy means that we don't get what we deserve. That, that young, young man, he deserved punishment. He deserved to be reprimanded in public. He deserved shame. But the truth of the matter is that the Father does not treat us the way that we deserve to be treated, folks. Because the Father is merciful. God is merciful. It's all across the scriptures. Hallelujah. Praise God. We will encounter His mercy when we come to Him with a broken heart. Psalm 51 verse 17, King David says this. My sacrifice, O God... Is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. When we humble ourselves, when we come to Him and we feel broken. The Bible says that's not a sacrifice to Him. He, he will not despise it. That's what He wants. He wants us to have that broken and contrite heart. He's a merciful God. But not only is He merciful, the Father is also gracious. Mercy, what does it mean? Mercy means we don't get what we deserve. Grace means we get what we don't deserve. Okay? Grace means that we get the blessings that we don't deserve. What does he say here in the scriptures, in the parable? He says, verse 22, But the Father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe. Bring out the best robe. And put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf. Bring it here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found and they began to be merry. God is gracious. God is not just merciful in that he will go and embrace you as you return. God is also gracious. Is that he then bestows gifts upon us that we do not deserve, folks. Praise the Lord. What's he say again? Uh, verse 22, he says, bring out the best robe. I can't have my son looking like this. Bring out the best robe on him clothed. And we need to be clothed with his grace, his compassion and his mercy, folks. He brings it out and he clothes him again to cover his nakedness and put it, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Restore him. Put a ring on his hand again. That's a symbol of identity. A symbol of identity in that family is welcome again into my family. Come back home. Come home. He's coming home. And I'm coming to restore him. That's the Father. That's the Heavenly Father that we serve and we love. The Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 8 to, 10, 8 to 10, the Lord is compassionate. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Yeah. That's the God of the Bible. That's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and it's our Heavenly Father as well. Praise God. Praise God. 
There's so much more I could say here, folks, about the response of the other. I just wanted to show you something very quickly in Luke chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. Because who was he speaking to? Who was present at that particular time? It's important to note. Luke chapter 15, verse 1 to 3. He says this, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. Praise God. Who were his audience, folks? His audience were the outcasts of society. His audience were the tax collectors that were despised by the rest of society, Jewish society. That they were despised and that they were, they were cut off from the synagogue because they were collaborators with the Roman Empire. These were prostitutes and people who basically made a mess of their lives. And Jesus draws near to them and speaks these parables. And I can see folks, as he was speaking that, I can see that they would have identified with that person, that young lad who had left the Heavenly Father, let's say, and gone off and done his own thing. And then we see the response of the other son. He wasn't happy about it. And I see, I see that reflecting the, the, the attitude of the Pharisees, the, the religious authorities. Interesting that the, perhaps the greatest antagonists throughout Jesus' ministry were religious authorities. The ones who would look down on people and judge them and so on and so forth. And they missed the heart of the Father. He didn't, you know, he wasn't by any means, he wasn't agreeing with the sin. But praise God, he's revealing the mercy and the grace of the Father. Hallelujah. To show us hope. That's the, the God that we serve. That's the God that deserves all worship and all praise. Doesn't matter what we've done. Doesn't matter where we've been. When we come home, his arms are wide open to receive us home. Let's just pray. Hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Father, hallelujah. Oh, we worship the glorious name. Father, we just were in awe of this. Just listening to those words, that story, that parable that the Lord Jesus taught all those years ago. That was so powerful. So different to what those first century Jews were understood, understood about you, Lord. And Lord, we just want to say this morning, thank you that you are a merciful and you are a gracious God. That you do not treat us as our sins deserve, Lord. And we've all gone astray, all of us. Each one of us has turned to our own way. But Lord, we want to say thank you this morning. Thank you that in the same way that this, this father humbled himself to run out and to, to, to embrace his son, to bring restoration. Lord Jesus, you left all the glory of heaven. You stepped down into our world, Lord. Lord, you became one of us so that we might know what God is like and that we might be able to come into a relationship with him that we might be able to come home. Father, we just say thank you. Thank you for that this morning. And as we've, we've heard already, 
You know, maybe I've, I've been speaking this story, this parable with you this morning. Maybe you identify with that in some way. Maybe you feel the Holy Spirit just applying this to your life. Maybe you've questioned, you know, can I come home? Would God want me? Well, I just want you to hear the voice of the Lord Jesus this morning. This is a word for each one of us. And this is your opportunity to reconcile with your Heavenly Father. To come home, so to speak. No matter what we've done. No matter where we've been, whatever point we've come to. His arms are wide open to receive you home. Hallelujah. To restore your life. Is there anybody this morning that would like to respond to that? And say, I want to come home. I want to receive this grace and this mercy. I want to receive this forgiveness. You've heard this morning that Jesus Christ was willing to go to the cross for you. When he was on that cross, let me tell you that he paid the price for your sins and for my sins. That we might be offered forgiveness. Hallelujah. And he overcame death and the grave. He paid our price. He's made it possible that we can be reconciled to the Father. But we need to take that decision. If there's anybody this morning, I'd just like to, you to raise your hand in this place. Raise it high. Just remember, if you feel embarrassed, remember the Lord Jesus Christ died on that cross for you. Is there anybody amongst us this morning who'd like to say, yes, I want to go home? Hallelujah. not, feel free, if you've got more questions, you please come and speak to us at the end, come talk to us, we'll be happy to talk with you. But right now, I just want to, I just feel that we, we need to pray, if you are, if you find yourself struggling this morning, and it might be with sin, it might be with something else, but if you find yourself struggling and some of this is, is, is really clouding your understanding of who God is because it's hard, it's tough. And it's hard sometimes to remember that God is love when you're going through the things that you go through. If that's you this morning, I'd invite you to come forward because we'd like to pray with you. If there's anybody in this place, if not, we'll just move forward. If you would like to receive prayer this morning, the altar is open.